Wall Studios in New Jersey, the home of extreme wrestling legends such as Balls Mahoney, Big Dick Dudley, and Beaver Cleavage. Welcome to Sunday Night Aftermath. On tonight's show, the guys are going to bring you the news and reviews, the results and reactions of the 2019 Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. You son of a bitch. You know how much I hate Staten Island. That's why. <sighs> Anyways, what up, fam? And welcome to Sunday Night Aftermath. We have a lot to talk about after Elimination Chamber 2019. Um, I enjoyed the night. I didn't feel there were a lot of dull spots. I thought there was some good storyline development. Um, what do you think, Bones? I thought overall it was a very good show. Uh, as we go through the car, you know, we'll touch on the parts that we think could have been, uh, at least I think could have been different. Uh, but I thought overall it was a great card. I think it was a great pacing of the night. I liked mm-hmm. only having seven matches. Well, really only mm-hmm. six on the main card. Um, it didn't feel like it was too long. When it ended, I was like, wait, it's already over? Which is very different compared to what we had last month at Royal Rumble. So I, I was very happy with the, the overall pr- production of, of uh, tonight's show. Yeah, I think you're good. I think what's I think the uh, the model of WWE Network slash pay per view shows is becoming apparent. You'll have the big four, which will go for about six to seven hours, and then these other right. pay per views, including pre show, and then the smaller pay per views will go. What did it start? Yesterday? It's seven to so four to five, four to five hours. We'll call it. Yeah. I know I was behind. I started watching it about quarter after eight, and I finished with with fast forwarding at eleven. Right so. I know I wasn't too far behind. Um, let's go right into the main event. The WWE title match held in the chamber. Daniel Bryan was the champion. He was putting his title up, his green title up, against AJ Styles, Randy Orton, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, and the star of the night, Kofi Kingston. It's unbelievable to believe that a few weeks ago, Kofi Kingston wasn't in this match. Um, it's unbelievable how quick WWE rewrote this and made it work. We have been talking for months on the fourth wall about how the New Day needs to get out of the tag team scene and go into the singles competition. And all I could think last night watching this match was, fuck, we were right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were right because the, the audience was so behind Kofi right now. Somebody who's been here for, what, 11, 12 years has been pretty much at the top of the tag division or the top of the mid card that whole time. And he's finally getting his due. We know that Kofi and Xavier and Big E can be trusted in big matches. They've right. had way too many great tag matches to think otherwise. Kofi's had way too many singles title runs to think otherwise. And what my hope is, is, you know, I had a feeling Daniel Bryan was still going to win. I know some people, I know you were thinking that Kofi, they might do the the epic swerve and have Kofi win here. But, you know, why not have that? You can stretch this out to Mania now. You know, they they kind of got handed lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. they, they, they already pretty much booked Fastlane, and they booked like, and they booked WrestleMania. You could have a a, a returning Luke Harper appear this week to uh, to join up with Rowan and Daniel Bryan. You could have a six man tag at Fastlane, da- Daniel Bryan, Harper, and Rowan versus the New Day, and then that leads to Kofi versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. 
It takes care of so many things. It gets the it gets the title out of Fastlane, but it still gets the champion on TV in a meaningful match. And right. this can lead to Daniel Bryan versus Kofi at Mania. That's a great match, you know. If there's say there's twelve matches on Mania, that's a great eighth or ninth match right there. Right. Right in the middle of the card. The place will be pumped up, especially if you if you book Kofi to win. And we'll just have to see how the reactions keep going and how the Kofi movement keeps building throughout the weeks. But I mean it's very reminiscent right now of the Yes movement in twenty fourteen. Same which, thing. Yeah. Which I was talking about very extensively on K Classics this week since I covered Elimination Chamber twenty fourteen. So now I see this with Daniel with Kofi Kingston, who has long time been a fan favorite. You know, I can't think of a time. I can't think of many bad things people say about him. You know, there's been a lot of talk. Can he be a main event guy? Can he be a main event guy? And I don't know why he can't be a main event guy right. at this point. At this point, I think everyone wants it so bad that if it did happen organically, like this has been organic over the past week, uh, every, everyone would definitely view him as a champion. And I think he would have the entire WWE universe behind him if he had the title. Everyone last night was was craving for that to happen. They wanted that moment to happen. And I think it was very poetic that it was him and Daniel Bryan as the last two. You know, like you said, it's very, very reminiscent of the Yes movement. And right. I, that's all. I Watching the two of them in the ring go head-to-head at the end, and it wasn't just a quick, okay, we're going to have like two minutes and we're going to be done. They still lasted in there a while. And it really They showed, put on their own match. Right. And it really showed what the two of them can do. Um I think the whole Kofi story, this isn't the end of the Kofi story. This is definitely, no. go, this is not over yet. But I do want to ask you, I want to ask you this. Do you think this was a plug and play and this spot was supposed to be for Mustafa Ali? Yeah, probably. But you know um, what? I'm kind of, before you go on, I'm kind of glad it went to Kofi because. It was an easy plug-and-play, but Kofi has such a longer history with the company. It makes more sense for it to be uh, to be Kofi and not the guy who just joined SmackDown 60 days ago. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. I would be behind Ali. I don't think the, the crowd would be uh, behind him as much as they are right now with Kofi. And I think, you know, and I said, I think Mustafa Ali is a talent, and he's definitely been getting well-received, but... I don't like when they take guys like Mustafa and put him right at the top of the car. Right, like put him in the right. mid card first. Yeah, like get him. That might have a U.S. title reign. Let's see how you do with that before we put the big belt on. You know, it's been around since the 1960s. Right. You know, um, and just in my own head, you know, I went some. I went into a little long term fantasy booking thinking last night. Of I went course. to Bones territory. <laughs> how great would it be if Kofi wins the title somewhere down the line? Xavier and Big E win. The SmackDown tag titles again. And then they have all the gold. And then by the end of the year, Undisputed Era has all the NXT gold. And they come up and they challenge the New Day as their arrival on the main roster. All the belts. Just wow. all the gold in this feud. Golden feud. Gold standard feud. Yo, sign, sign me up. Sign <laughs> me up. That's awesome. Um, We'd be we'd have to talk about another I think storyline development towards WrestleMania that we saw in this match last night, and that was the long rumored match between AJ Styles and Randy Orton. We're starting to see the seeds be planted for that. We saw it on SmackDown this past week, and we really saw it at the Chambers. Orton came up with yet another awesome way to hit an RKO last night. Yep, <laughs> and uh, took Styles out of the match, and you know this is I think leading to them having a. A match at WrestleMania, just no titles, just 
two vets having a long-standing, you know, grudge match because some guys cost the bad guys costing the good guy chances to win championships. Right. And that'd be a good way, I think, to uh, you know just enhance the WrestleMania card. They're not being relied upon to carry the card; just right. enhance the card. We know how important the mid card is. So yeah, <clears throat> and I, I'm totally fine with watching a grudge match between AJ Styles and Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Put them on a big stage; the two of them can still go. Give them, you know, 13, 14 minutes just to have an right. awesome match. Yeah. Um, and you're right. They planted the seeds for that on Tuesday. They continued it last night. And I could definitely, I feel like that's where this this is going to go now as we go to WrestleMania. But what about the other two members of the match? We got Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe. Um, I think Samoa Joe, first of all, should not have been the first eliminated. I think he was eliminated way too soon. And I feel like they've they've done this with him again in the past. And I feel like... He's being mismanaged right now. They're still building him as a monster, but they're not really showing it when he's in the ring. I mean, he's not... I I don't know. I I feel like Jeff Hardy came in, what, fourth, I think? But he was in and out very quickly. If you were going to have him out so quick, at least have Samoa Joe stay in the match till after... Like, eliminate Jeff Hardy first, then eliminate Joe. I think it could have went. It would have went better if it would have. I would have felt better if Joe was like the second one eliminated, not the first. Right. Um, just, um, just remind me who eliminated Samoa Joe. Who actually pinned him again? I believe it was Styles. Was it? I'm trying to look up in my notes right now. Either way, it, it I was have styles. A, I have a thing. It was styles. It was okay, styles, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry for the <clears throat> sorry for the blank out there, audience. Um, good thing for Samoa Joe that can happen here is the only thing, only silver lining I could feel. We do all the new day things in the Mania. Kofi beats Daniel Bryan at Mania. That could be an opportunity to get Samoa Joe as an opponent for Kofi, and then Samoa Joe takes the title off of Kofi at. Money in the Bank, Backlash, SummerSlam even. It all depends on how hot Kofi stays and how hot this story stays. Um, I think Samoa Joe might have been an innocent bystander of Kofi Kingston right now. You know, when Mustafa Ali got taken out of the match, your next logical thought would be, well, give Samoa Joe the spot against Daniel Bryan at the end. When he went out early, though, I think the Kofi Kingston's performance in the gauntlet match might have changed plans maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, that had to be some sort of test, that gauntlet match the other night. Right. As far as I'm concerned. But, you know, Samoa Joe can come as like, you know, you took my spot. That should have been me in the Elimination Chamber. It should have been me facing Daniel Bryan at Mania. This, that, and other thing. Come in. There's lots of heel things you can do to get Samoa Joe in a feud with Kofi Kingston. Yeah. I just hope between now and Mania, though, that they, they do right by Samoa Joe and they put him in a, in a meaningful storyline. Because this will be his first WrestleMania. Because wasn't he right. out the past two years? Mm-hmm. This will be yep, his first was. mania, so I want to see him in. It doesn't have, doesn't have to be a title. Just give him a match that makes sense with some strong creative behind it. I I think I I think we'll get that hope. No, I don't know who will get it against. Even if it has to be, I have a feeling he might be in in a United States title match of some sorts, mm-hmm. whether it's a multi person or not. But that doesn't mean after Kofi Kingston beats. Daniel Bryan, the Smojo can't come out and attack Kofi Kingston or attack him backstage. Right. And there you go. It starts right there. Smojo Joe had a memorable moment at WrestleMania. By the end of 2019, Smojo Joe is going to have that WWE title around his waist. Yeah. He, this is the year. 
Yeah, he he needs to have a title at this point. It's, it's been too long for him. And, and I, if he I feel like doesn't he's been have mismanaged it, at times. Right, and if he doesn't have it, he's go to AEW. He'll go to AEW, yeah. Yeah. He'll just yeah. ask for his release like everyone else in the locker room is doing, so. <laughs> <laughs> that should just be the answer for everyone who's being mismanaged. Oh, they'll probably just ask for their release and go to AEW. <laughs> That's always the go-to um, now. Let's talk about the other big Elimination Chamber match from the night, and that was for the the debuting, or I guess returning, WWE Women's Championships. Of course, the Women's Tag Team Championships. Of course, there were Women's Tag Team Championships in prior years, back when uh, Bones and I were babies. Yes, but those were the WWF Women's Tag Team titles, oh. so these are the inaugural WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Get it right, Doc. Come on. Okay, sure. Because it's not the same promotion the or same. anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, of course, the titles were vacant. Um, your teams were the Boston Hug Connection, Sasha and Bailey, the Riot Squad, and that was uh, Sarah Logan and, and Liv Morgan representing the Riot Squad. Uh, Nia Jackson, Tamina, who may or may not be the Samoan Slaughterhouse. <laughs> Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, or the Iconics. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, who go by fire and desire, and fabulous glow, Naomi and Carmella. What'd you think, Bones, of this match? I thought the match was great. Um, I think it was awesome and very poetic in terms of storytelling, how the first two teams that started the match were also the last two teams, the final two teams in the match. I think it really helped put Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville on the map. The two of them looked great in the entire match. Uh, I thought the match did great for all of these teams. I think Mella and Naomi looked really good together. Iconics were awesome in this match. It um, was the best best I've ever seen the Iconics on the main roster. Yes. Uh, yeah. I couldn't agree it's more. A, I felt like this was their moment. Right. First time I first time ever I didn't truly utterly hate their guts. Right. Like as as you know, hate their characters on the main roster. Right. Not personally, of course. Um, I was very happy with the Riot Squad's performance. I thought Liv and Sarah did awesome. They had some mm-hmm. innovative offense in there. They lasted in there a while. Um, so I'm happy that two-thirds of my favorite faction had an awesome night last night. Um, <laughs> also, I even think Naya and Tamina, for what their job in the match was last night, they did good. I liked how it took every woman in the ring to pin Tamina to eliminate them. I loved how Nia Jax crashed and burned in that pod. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was great storytelling right there. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. And, and Nia sold the shit out of it, man. You know me and you. We, we beat up on Nia a lot. Nia had a good performance last night. And I think she, she had a good performance because they didn't win. Right. Like we all kind of expected them to win. No one really, want, <clears throat> no one really wanted them to win. And when they didn't win... It was just exciting that they didn't win. Right. It was exciting to watch. And then that's, you know, maybe that is good long-term booking and creative, mm-hmm. you know, using our emotions against us. That's what WWE should be doing. Right. That's how you keep shock value in pro wrestling in the in the age of the internet. So as it, when, when Nia went through that glass, I was like, oh, it was, it was hard to watch. That, that looked nasty. Um, and looked I don't know if you noticed nasty. it too, but from the camera angles, she crashed through one panel, but it looked like the panel that she hit on the inside also cracked. So she Yo. pretty much went through like two two panes of uh, of glass. Big up to Naya. She went through she went through that thing hard. Yeah. Like she went through that like a pro. She 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 showed me a little something last night. Yeah. You know? 
which was which was good. She needed that performance. Um, I thought Mandy and Sonia were solid. They set up. There was I know there was a moment where uh, Mandy and Sonia accidentally took each other out, so that sets up for something down the road maybe. Um, like you said, I thought Naomi and Carmella were excellent together, like entering the rain and just with those kicks having the outside of the rope right away. Just good teamwork. They looked like a team. But it, what do you say? No, did you notice how Corey Graves' commentary for Mella was all of a sudden heelish as opposed to it has been in the past? Can't imagine why. I wonder why I that would happen. <laughs> anyway, moving for, on. <laughs> Oh, I want to say for those of you listening at home, we are recording this late Sunday night, obviously after the bombshell Instagram posts of Corey's wife, which we're not going to get too into, but it definitely a uh, had to be a weird vibe for Corey calling that match last night. Just a weird vibe for Corey in general in last general, night. Yeah. Um, I thought he handled it well, though. I thought he, you know, yeah, kind of went out. He just still did, he's did a his thing. Yeah, I, I give him pro. credit for getting through that with considering and, and, what's going and, on in his personal life. And big up to the crowd. A lot of times you get some smarks out there who will start some chants or be obnoxious. And big up to the crowd for just letting that go and letting them handle their business themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. Let's talk about the winners of the match. Um, Sasha and Bailey. Obviously the most experienced. Obviously the most decorated wrestlers in the matches. Um, and I thought, you know, the best team won here. I thought it was cool. Uh when they got on top of the pod, harkened back to their prior elimination chamber match when they were opponents. It's another great bit of storytelling. And at the end, when they were crying and speechless in the rain, like shit got real there. And I that, loved it. Man. That was real. Um, I, I don't think there was really any option that would have been the wrong choice in this match. Honestly, that's just my opinion. I think any six of these teams could have walked, walked away last night with the titles. Again, because Elimination Chamber, we consider it a B-side show. So any of these teams could have walked away with those titles last night. Do I think Bailey and Sasha should have won last night? I don't know. I think they could have had their moment at something bigger like WrestleMania, but I'm still happy they did because at least now they're in the history books. They're the first ever, and now they're going to have a target on their back, and I want to see where this leads uh, to WrestleMania. I was concerned, though, with the crowd's reaction. I felt like there was definitely more booing when they won than anything else, and I didn't understand why. But then the "you deserve a chance" kind of overpowered all the booing. Did, did you? Yeah, get, I mean, did you get that vibe too? I mean, there's always going to be people who aren't happy. You know, Sasha Banks has her detractors. So does Bailey. Right. You know, I'm, I'll leave it admit that I'm a Bailey detractor. She's not. She's a great wrestler. She's not one of my favorite characters. Do I? I've liked where she's been kind of gearing her character towards lately, mm-hmm. kind of getting away from all the bright colors and uh, frou-frou fun shit and, like, mm-hmm. actually looking like a wrestler that I can believe kick somebody's ass, can kick somebody's ass. Right. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> cool thing about this match also, like you were saying, any team could have won. And then when it was the final four, when it was, you know, um, Mandy and Sonya and, and Sasha and Bailey. Like, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, shit, man, Mandy and Sonya might win this. Yeah. Wow. So, like, I didn't know who the winner was going to be. So, big kudos to creative. Yeah. That was that was a well, good storytelling and a well-paced match. And they I thought they built up to it. it was, the build-up was, I thought, was stronger on SmackDown than it was on Raw. Agreed. But the payoff was fantastic. So, good match. Great champions. Looking forward to see where they go. Where do you think they go from here? Do you, who do you think is going to challenge them next? 
Uh, I think it makes the most sense for it to be Tamina and Nia. I feel like Tamina and Nia will be their next challenge on pay-per-view, but I think you're going to get a TV title match between them and uh, Mandy and Sonya first. Between the champ and Sonya first. Right. It's also hard to really say where this goes because they really haven't um, explained to us, the fans, how these tag titles are going to switch back and forth between brands. Right. Yeah. If they're not if they're not explaining, it may, it leads me to believe that the champions are going to jump brands. Right, kind of like the original brand split with the champion. The champion just jumps brands back and forth. That's what I think. And maybe at some point, women in general. I know you've talked about unifying the two women's titles in the fast in the past. Maybe at some point, the women don't become brand exclusive anymore, and they appear on both shows. On both, or at right. least the champ, or at least the champions appear on. Both on shows, both. right? Yeah, and you can do that with a mid card champion too, like right. a Ruby Riot. <laughs> you know what? Since you bring her up, let's talk about that match next. Um, so Ruby Riot faced Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, I-, I think this was really poor booking, really, really bad creative, and I'm going to tell you why. Not because I'm a huge mark for Ruby Riot. All right, Ruby Riot is a fucking strong competitor. She is great on the mic, great in the ring, and a fucking great heel. I, if anyone in this match had to look stronger, it was Ruby Riot, not Ronda Rousey. She does not need to have a win on another win on her record for her to look strong. If she still kept, she still has the title. She's already going to be. Everyone knows it's going to happen. She's going to be facing either Becky and or Charlotte at Mania. That's that's the match. She's already strong enough. Ruby Riot could have won the match by countout, by DQ, just to give Ronda the L, have Ruby look strong. Ruby doesn't tap out. Ruby doesn't get pinned. So now you have a good, a good contender for the title down the road because Ruby came out looking strong. I think it should not. This was a, a, a terrible, terrible booking. It made Ruby look look uh, weak, look scared, and they were in and out in less than two minutes. It was a minute and forty second match. It's, this should not have been a squash match. Ronda does not need to be in squash matches at this point. Liv and Sarah Logan lasted longer in the ring than Ruby Riot did. What does that do for the leader now of the Riot Squad? That's where I'm going with this. I'm looking at the bigger picture here. Liv and Sarah killed it in the Elimination Chamber. And at moments, I thought they could win this. Ruby did not look strong last night. Yeah, but I don't think anybody's going to remember that in the long run, that Ruby didn't look strong because it's Ronda. And, you know, you can really realistically have Ronda go out against anybody and have her be the baddest woman on the planet. Because she she is. She can kick all her asses for real. Let's be realistic here. Okay. Two things were going to happen in this match last night. There was the scenario that you wanted that didn't happen, that they would have led to the Riot Squad coming out, interfering, maybe Charlotte coming to Ronda's aid to protect her title match against Ronda. Maybe Becky comes out from the crowd like she did eventually, and then that sets up like a triple threat. They reinstate Becky as a triple threat with with the three women who will be in the main event on one team. Right. Uh, Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda versus the Riot Squad, which gives that a chance to implode, which leads you to your triple threat at Mania, or what you saw happen happen. The minute Ronda walked out dressed in black, looking like Sonya Blade, mm-hmm. I knew right away, I'm like, yes, 
Ruby is Ruby's getting squashed. She's got no chance in this match. Yeah. The minute she gets, we talked. I talked about this in the final thought a few weeks ago. WWE either needs to make Ronda the baddest woman on the planet who crushes everybody and crushes all her opposition, especially mid card opposition. As much as you like Ruby, let's let's she's mid card, okay? Right. So crushes mid card opposition. She's going to be fan favorite, rowdy Ronda Rousey, blah blah blah. Just be one or the other. Like the identity crisis has been killing her. So that being said, she came out all badass, dressed in black last night. No nonsense. We need to see that every week on Raw at Fastlane leading up to WrestleMania. Yeah. If that's the case, then this was the booking to do because it reestablishes Ronda being the baddest woman in the house. You know, Charlotte's kind of coming up the ladder. She's she's getting real nasty heel flourish again. This reestablishes that Ronda is still more badass than Charlotte. And with that, a kendo stick can still kick Charlotte's ass. Now, that being said, the man showed up after the match and all hell broke loose. I loved this. I know there's a, a lot of dweebs out there who are hating the idea of a triple threat match. I am not one of them. I love the idea of a triple threat match between these three. I love they're using the suspension angle to kind of help give Becky a new bump. When she came out in those crutches last night, it just started beating those women down mercilessly. It is everything the Becky Lynch character is, is everything the man is, and everything the man deserves. I cannot wait to see the fallout of of that moment last night, how pissed off the McMahons are going to be at Becky Lynch. I know. I, I still love the storytelling they're doing here with Becky. I didn't expect to see Becky last night because – she was suspended on Raw, and she was not on SmackDown. I really thought they were going to keep her off TV, at least until this week's Raw and SmackDown. But I think the whole segment made sense. Um, and I like the fact that Becky got to stand tall over both Charlotte and Ronda. Yeah, with, with her quote-unquote busted-up name. Once right. the in, once the once they started with the injury angle at the house show... And they started showing it on television. I was like, all right, Becky's showing up tonight. She's going to keep feigning this injury that she has. Um, but she came out on top and was unquestionably came out on top. She was the winner of the night. So your most popular women's superstar still was the top dog of the night in terms of the of the top of the car for the women's division. And she didn't have to be in a match. That's right. a thumbs up in my book. I just hope they don't add like a stupid gimmick to this triple threat match or like a kendo stick on a pole match or a oh, crutch oh. on a pole match or if it's the last match at mania and it's the true main event they won't do it's that gotta it'll be, be just like triple threat it'll just be like wrestlemania 20 benoit triple h hbk it'll be just like that it'll be this generation's benoit triple h hbk triple threat moment yes and for those of you in the wwe universe who don't know that match does exist it did happen at WrestleMania 20, and Chris Benoit did win the championship that night. And it's honestly probably the greatest triple threat match in the history of professional wrestling. Agreed. They just yeah. don't talk about it, but it does exist. So go check out WrestleMania 20 and watch this match. Yeah. And if 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 the Raw women's title match at Mania could even like sniff the ass of that match, it'll be one of the greatest matches ever. That's how good it is. Right. All right, so Ronda retained her title, but we did have another title change um, during this night. So the Usos... Two of them. The Usos faced Mick Miz for the SmackDown tag titles. I didn't see this going this way, but the Usos came out victorious, especially after what happened this week with Jimmy. Um, I guess Vince paid his bail, 
And they were like, hey, I heard you don't heard you might want to go to AEW. So to keep you guys around, we're going to give you the titles. I mean, honestly, you don't know a lot about what happened with with Jimmy and Naomi this week. Just that they had an altercation with the police and Jimmy was a little drunk and got a little mouthy and and with the police and disorderly. And Mm -hmm. maybe at the end of the day, it just wasn't that big a deal. Maybe it was blown out of proportion by TMZ. I'm pretty sure TMZ reported it. You never know what the fuck really happened until you've seen the videotape with TMZ. There is no videotape. No one's tried to leak or show a videotape. So I can't imagine it was too bad. It was probably just, you know, your normal drunk person getting pulled over. You know, luckily he was smart enough to not be driving. And obviously Naomi didn't get hit with a DUI. So she was sober. I'm sure that helped his cause. Right. Um, I, I, what are you going to do? Sometimes yeah. people get mouthy. I don't think it's the end of the world. Yeah, shit, shit um, happens, you know. It shit has. Seems like a it seems like a shit happens type of thing. Yeah. Um, speaking of shit happening, some shit happened in this match. I thought Miz and Shane had another solid performance. You're not going to get anything crazy out of them, but they do what they can to the best of their ability, and that's all I ever look for at a wrestling match. Shane did his spots, and he he did them a lot better than he did last time out. You know, his flying elbow and his coast to coast. It's a shame that they're probably going to break this Miz and McMahon team up so soon because I think they could be a viable team for a little even past WrestleMania season. Like, if you could push this Miz-Shane match off to SummerSlam, I would do it. Yeah. I mean, after they lost, I actually feel like they may may, may stay a tag team for a little bit longer. Up until they had that other little backstage vignette when Shane, when Miz was going crazy and Shane just told him to go home, we'll talk on Tuesday. I don't know. The fact that they lost to the Usos could lead to another rematch at Fastlane. And I, I really think that's when Miz and Shane wins. And like I think you mentioned last week, put them in a SmackDown Tag Team Championship match at WrestleMania. Yeah. I feel like this isn't over because I feel like it, it would make no sense to do this big build, make them a team, they win the titles, and lose them a month later. I feel like it's too short. The story that hasn't had enough time to fully develop yet and really put them on the pedestal as tag team champions. So I feel like there's still going to be more to this. I think it's great the Usos won, though, because now the Usos have just one more notch on their belt. I think they're six-time tag team champions now. They've joined the six club, yep. They joined yeah. the six club. So no one's joined, and no one's ever joined the seven club. Six is the most. Right. It gets them, the Outlaws, the Dudleys, and the Hardys, and Edge and Christian. Yeah. I don't think anybody's ever won more than six. So they're they're in the six club as a team, as a team. As a tag I mean, team, right? Phrase that full tag team. Um, I loved the Miz's little meltdown backstage. That's something you've never like seen. Like like Miz Miz's whole career has been him losing that way and blaming other people. Right. So last night it was Miz losing it was a mental error and owning up to it and actually being really freaking pissed about it, man. Like I loved seeing that fire out of him last night. I thought that was doing that was way better than playing the seeds for a breakup right now. You know, get this story breathe a little bit. Like you said, let it ferment. Let us get even more. Let us, the audience, get even more invested in it because the team is good enough that I'm willing to get invested in them. Right. Yeah, they they're I think they're great as a team, and they've only been a team for a short time, but they look good together in the ring. Um, I definitely think that once this team breaks up, because I feel like that's inevitable, it's going to happen at some point. Shane's going to come out as the heel, and Miz is going to be the babyface, and this is why. 
with Mrs. Meltdown last night, this is the first time in his long career that he's he's holding himself accountable for something like mm-hmm. you just said. He's not blaming somebody else. You know, Miz is a father. He now has a second child on the way. So congratulations, Miz and Maurice. And how amazing does Maurice look? Oh my God. Yeah. Watching yeah, she, Maurice she, she, do the Shane McMahon <laughs> dance when he came out was awesome. But I, I feel like Miz, Miz's real life is changing. And you know how Vince McMahon is. He likes bringing reality into... Uh, he, he likes blending kayfabe and reality a lot. So I feel like, hey, if this is now the real Miz, he's becoming a father. His whole real life is changing. Let's make his gimmick, his persona on television change. And I think Miz could be an awesome, awesome babyface. Agreed. He needed you needed something. His career has always lacked, like you said, the right substance for him as a person to be a babyface. And now he's getting it. The family man, the doofy dad, wearing the, the him and Shane coming out in the dad baseball jerseys. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. It all makes sense to me. And as I said, it's been a long slow burn for Miz. Miz has been here for years. I mean, he's been here as long as Kofi has. Yeah. So this is it's it's about time you know his his character as he said you you got to keep your character fresh and I think this is what we're starting to see the uh, the begin and plus he's going Hollywood and they always like their Hollywood guys to be face right yeah uh, another title let's talk about the other title change last night not as you know I've, I have such a mixed bag of emotions about Finn Balor winning the Intercontinental title over Bob well technically over Leo Rush last night. Right. Um, in the handicap match with him and Lashley. Let's talk about the happy one. I'm happy Finn Balor is Intercontinental Champion. Yes, he, he needed yeah. a title, and I'm glad that now he – I hope that – before you go on, I hope that now that he has the IC title, it makes the IC title mean something again on Rooks. I feel like it's kind of been forgotten in the shadows for a while since – Ambrose, then Lashley. So the few months now, it's been kind of lost in the sauce, and I think Finn Balor brings some prestige back to the IC title. I think it's going to, and I think it's going to help Lashley. Lashley was obviously infuriated that he... He wasn't infuriated he lost the match last. His team lost. He was infuriated that he lost his title last night. Right. That's a big thing. So that makes the title look so much better. You know, he's not mad that Finn pinned Leo. He's mad that Leo cost him his title. Right. And this also, you know, so now because Finn pinned Leo, there are some silver linings here. Yeah, of course, you want to see Finn pin Bobby Lashley. You want to see Finn pin the big guy, the guy who's the actual champion. But you pin Leo, so this keeps Lashley in the picture because Lashley technically never lost the match. Mm-hmm. So you'll probably get Finn and Lashley at fast lane. You'll probably get Finn and Leo leading up the fast lane. Right. Um, there's going to be, I don't think, Lashley and Leo officially broke up last night, but it planted the seeds to their eventual breakup. I think Finn could beat Lashley at Fastlane thanks to Leo maybe turning on Lashley, and then that could set you up with a maybe a ladder match for the Intercontinental title at Mania. You get Lashley in there. You get Leo in there. You get some of the other mid-cards on. You get Ambrose in there as Elias. a send-off, maybe. Yeah. You get Elias in there. EC3 would be another good person to throw in there, make a little six-way it, match or something. There you go. And EC3's been feuding with, with Ambrose, so that works. Elias has had his eyes on the Intercontinental title seemingly forever now. Yeah. And this could lead to I – mean, that would be great. You have Finn and Elias 
be the last two battling on the ladder. Finn retains, sets the feud for an Elias feud, gets Elias a real feud finally. A lot of good could come out of Finn pinning Leo in this match. So before everybody freaks out, like really think long term how this could really help the Intercontinental title. Right. Now, do you think with uh, after Lashley taking out Leo Rush after the match, Lashley got, got a pop last night. Uh, people were chanting Lashley, and are we going to see a potential babyface turn again with Lashley? No, because you could do something on Raw this week to completely negate that right away. You could have Lashley just come out and interrupt Finn on a promo and just beat the living hell out of him. And him and Leo just go, hey, we worked it out last night. Coming after you, Finn, and Lashley's a heel. I'd rather see Lashley as a heel. I don't like face Lashley. I don't yeah. at all. Lashley doesn't cut great promos. He needs a mouthpiece. People with mouthpieces are usually heels. Right. You know, or at the very least, tweeners. I mean, I think if if there was going to be a potential babyface turn for Lashley, we would not have seen Lashley return later on in the night to help out his friends, Baron Corbin and Drew McIntyre. That's another thing. let's, 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 Let's move our way over to that because... This was the low light of the night. It was placed in the right spot of the card, but it was definitely yeah. the the you know, most forgettable part of the night. Lashley did come out and essentially along essentially helped Baron Corbin defeat Braun Strowman. There were some pretty cool spots in this whole beatdown, such as the triple power bomb through two tables. It was pretty awesome. A little homage to Shield, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I, yeah, a little homage to the Shield, but it's it's so it was. I found that to be an interesting way to end the match. You know, it furthers the Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman thing. The two of them are kind of stuck in a mid-card purgatory right now. Then it's their own fault. I don't feel bad that they're stuck in a mid-card purgatory. Braun right. Strowman was awful in his feud with Lesnar. Baron Corbin is so up and down as as a performer. So it doesn't surprise me that they're here. I'm. I, s- I, what I don't like, and I'll let you go, Bones. I'm sorry. sorry. What I don't yeah. like is. Drew McIntyre seems to be in the background of these three, and Corbin seems to be the leader. That's my issue. That's what I was going to get to. Like, I just don't understand the, the storytelling in this. These two have been feuding for months now. I thought they already – it all came to a head back at TLC. Um, I just don't know what the end result is, and I want to know more about why are Lashley, McIntyre, and Corbin uh, uh, t- teaming up. What 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 is their – goal that the three of them have what is their common goal which is causing them to team up and create this faction what is their overall beef with Strowman? they've already taken Strowman out they already injured him now they put him through two tables and corbin has a win over him he already they already cost him the championship at crown jewel so like what what's the end result here and what's the reasoning behind that i feel like this needs more storytelling to develop into something else where, where was kurt angle last night that's a good question. I think Where was he Kurt Angle probably working on his retirement speech. <laughs> I mean, you know, why not? I mean, I think he's going to lead a fast lane. You're probably going to get Corbin and Strom, Stro, Corbin and uh, McIntyre versus Strowman and Angle. That's my only thought of where the story goes. Yeah. And eventually, that's going to lead to maybe Angle and Corbin at WrestleMania, and maybe that's where you write Kurt off TV, but. You know, this is a lower mid-card feud that I really don't have any interest in. I think it's below McIntyre. 
That's what really upsets me. Yeah, I was really surprised that even after Rumble, McIntyre is still stuck in this purgatory. I feel like McIntyre needs to be in the title picture some way. I'm not saying add him into the WrestleMania match, but he should be up there talking about how he's going to be the Universal Champion, whether it's Seth Rollins who wins a Mania or whether it's Brock Lesnar, but he needs to step up because I think with Brock Lesnar not being on TV again until WrestleMania, Seth Rollins can only do so much in this feud. Throw someone else in that picture to start setting up who the next opponent's going to be after Mania. You could start really doing some long storytelling with that, and I think McIntyre's the perfect person to put in that in that spot. Yeah, I'd like to see a world where maybe McIntyre sort of like turns on Corbin and Lashley, but not like like he attacks him and beats him and comes to face. Like just kind of like does the heel thing is like I'm done with you two, and yeah. you know you keep trying. To, I keep trying to align myself with people, and I need to just do this myself. Yeah, and then maybe the raw after fast lane. That's when he shows up and he starts coming after Rollins, like you just said, and mm-hmm. that sets up Rollins and Lashley for backlash. Not Rollins and Lashley, Rollins and McIntyre for backlash. Or at the very least, a triple threat with Lesnar involved. Mm -hmm. Lesnar even is going to be involved after Mania. That's the other. You never know what Lesnar, you know. You never is Lesnar resigning. Is he going to be here another year? Is he going to go fight USC again? You never know with him. How can you have so much uncertainty around your champion? It's part of the top of the cards problems at Raw right now. We've talked about this ad nauseum. But I think it's all going to change at Mania with Rollins beating Lesnar. And then let's see what Rollins does. Maybe Rollins starts a feud with McIntyre that lasts for the rest of 2019. Right. Maybe he's in this whole. Maybe McIntyre's in this holding pattern because we're just waiting for that to happen. Waiting for that moment. Yeah. So uh, do you want to let's talk about the cruiserweight championship match too, which happened on the kickoff show? I don't want to not talk about that because that was a fucking good match, man. So now I'm going to say, I'm not going to lie, it's what I hear. I got had an emergency, had to go into work from 6 to 8 last night. Um, so I missed the cruiserweight match. Um, I apologize to all our fans out there. So I'm gonna let, Bones, I'm going to let you talk about it a little bit. I watched a cool spot on a gif of Buddy Murphy looking like he was about to powerbomb Akira Tozawa and Akira Tozawa stopping like the powerbomb in midair and hitting the Hurricane Rana. And it was pretty awesome to watch. So I'll let you talk about the whole match, though. Yeah, I thought the whole match was great, man. It really made Akira Tozawa look like a valid contender for the Cruiserweight Championship. I really thought that Akira uh, had a chance to win the title last night, which I didn't think so as of last week, but I really thought he had an opportunity to. Um, It sucks that they were on the the kickoff show. I feel like the Cruiserweights really need to get more uh, more airtime. They need to get more eyes on this brand. But uh, the match was great. They went about almost 15 minutes, man, and it was just nonstop action. And Buddy Murphy is fucking awesome, man. Yeah, he, he is. He's, and they started talking about it last night. I think right now Neville has the uh, the record for the longest reigning Cruiserweight champion. So they started talking about how long Buddy Murphy has had the title, and he's about 60-something days away from beating the record. So I think he's going to be the one to keep it until Mania to beat that record, and then they'll go on with his story from there. Cool. Very nice. I'm going to definitely watch that match this week. I'll have some more thoughts for everybody, maybe when we have the uh, the actual fourth wall WrestleCast, which of course drops every Saturday afternoon on Anchor.fm and Wrestle Addict Radio. Um, that'll do it for Elimination Chamber 2019. Yeah. We've talked about all the matches. Um, overall, I think the card was a, a B minus. 
there was a little too much um, roughness in there for to get up to the A category, such as the wasted Strowman, McIntyre, and Lashley, and and uh, Corbin, and whoever the hell else was in that whole shit. That was wasted time. Um, yeah, the match, the Intercontinental title match wasn't great, but it set up for a good story. All in all, solid B-minus of a night, with the men's Elimination Chamber match unquestionably being the match of the night. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I would give it like a B, B-minus, um, again, because of the creative for Ruby Riot and uh, the whole Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman thing. I feel like those two segments were just, or those two matches, I mean, just could have could have been booked differently. But the main event, the Elimination Chamber match for the title, was definitely the match of the night um, that really changed my mind on the overall uh, the overall look of the pay-per-view itself. Uh, both Elimination Chamber matches were awesome. So this was definitely a great pay-per-view, a post-Royal Rumble pay-per-view to have. Uh, it helped continue some storylines as we lead to WrestleMania. Now we've got to see what happens. And more importantly, more importantly, starting from TLC, three consecutive good pay-per-views yes. from WWE with good wrestling, uh, not a lot of bullshit, um, good storytelling, good storyline development for the most part. I slightly disagree with you on the Ruby thing, but I, I understand your frustration of Ruby. Yeah. I'll say I understand. I, I slightly disagree because I think Ronda's more important in that situation. That being said, we're, we're all done here at Sunday Night Aftermath. You're going to hear from us again after Fastlane, which takes place on March 10th in Cleveland, Ohio. We don't know any matches yet, so I can't even give you any sort of preview. If you become a member of the Fourth Wall's Patreon fam, you can hear Kayfabe Classics for $3 a month. We also have $5 and $10 and $1 platforms for you to help support the cause on. So make sure you go to patreon.com backslash Fourth Wall WrestleCast. And also, please be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Fourth Wall Cast and on Instagram at Fourth Wall Cast. I am Doc's lovely co-host, J.C. Bones, and you can follow me on Twitter at J.C. Bones. And I steer the ship here on Aftermath. I am Doc Haas. You can find me on Twitter at D-R-H-A-A-S-E, number four, W-C. We are two-thirds of the fourth wall WrestleCast. This has been Sunday Night Aftermath. I hope you enjoy your week. Rock on, brothers. Peace.